Welcome to The Complete Angler, your source of information on the outdoor industry in central Canada. With over 35 years in the field, host Don Lamont covers topics and issues with industry leaders and influencers to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the outdoor world. And now, here's your host, Don Lamont. My guest on today's show has been an outdoor writer for more than 30 years. He published his first book, No Place Like Home, just before Christmas in 2019. It is a compilation of his adventures across Canada and pays homage to his mother. Ken Bailey is a magazine editor, hunting columnist, and a consultant for the outdoor industry. I have fished with him many times, and he is one of the first anglers in this part of the world to catch giant lake trout on a fly rod. Ken Bailey, my friend, welcome to the Complete Angler Podcast. It's been a while. Thanks, Don. Yeah, it has been too long, but it's uh, it's good to get the chance to catch up. Well, we, we did some back and forth last year because uh, we both ended up writing a book and publishing a book last year. Uh, no Place Like Home is the title of your book. Um, you sent me a copy. I had a chance to read it. Very well done, Ken. Oh, thanks, Don. I appreciate that. And and, and likewise, I, I I enjoyed your book. I th- You know, it's kind of, I guess, a bit of a milestone for both of us as a way to leave a bit of a legacy for all the years we've been outdoors and having fun and meeting people and writing about it. So, yeah. Well, I agree. It was a, it was a labor of love because it took me a while. I, I think I was in the process of, it took me about seven or eight years and the publisher, I self-published, but the guy, the printer out kept asking me, uh, uh, Don, when are you going to get your book finished? And then I had a little pressure too, from some other people, they wanted me to get it wrapped up. So I, I finally, I finally managed to get it done. How long did it take you to get your book together, Ken? Well, to be honest with you, Don, it only took about a year, I guess, or maybe 15 months from start to finish, because I had big parts of it previously written. Uh, many of the chapters had been published previously uh, in various magazines and things, stories of some of my travel adventures. And it was just a case of kind of updating them rewriting them and then I added half a dozen new chapters so uh it it didn't take me as long probably uh as it as it did you but that's only because so much of it was already kind of there waiting to be pulled together well I must admit I did pull a a bit of old stuff but not very much Uh, it it was it was more interesting because I did it by kind of the chapters I did was kind of uh, by location, like I did Alberta and like I did the West Coast and kind of and then I also did some individual experiences with different lodges and different people and stuff like that. How how did you decide to format your book? Uh, how do you mean? Uh, like, I mean, how, how, did, how did you want to put the chapters together? Well, was it I chronological knew- or was it just... No, and as a matter of fact, it's a little bit random. I knew, uh, you know, my book describes uh, each chapter talks about uh, one of the fishing or hunting adventures I've uh, had the opportunity to enjoy across Canada. And I just wanted to sure I covered coast to coast to coast. Um, so I, I, I really, um, there's a certain randomness to it because I didn't want to put all the fishing stuff together and all the hunting stuff together. And I didn't want to have all the sort of the West coast stuff together. I really wanted it sprinkled because I I didn't want to kind of favor one part of the country or one type of experience over the other. 
Um, so there's a certain randomness to it, to be to be quite honest on. Well, that's good. And uh, yeah, the books the the book is uh, full of adventure and and full of interesting people and and different experiences. So it's it's well worth a read. Where do you find it, Ken? Well. Um... I know uh, for your listeners in Manitoba, I know it's it's at the Cabela's and the Bass Pros of the world. Uh, you can find it um, anywhere. There's a Lone Pine works with the book distributor that I'm working through. So anywhere there's a Lone Pine book stand, which you see just about everywhere, it should be on there. Uh, or if if people want to order direct, I'm happy to send them a copy and they can just go to my website, which is www.nplh.webnode.com. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll make sure that uh, that is in the intro. People will be able to find it. So we'll, we'll make sure it's on the website. So no, no problem, Ken. Um, I guess one of the questions I had, why the title, No Place Like Home? Well, two things, you know, one, I've had the opportunity to travel um, to a great many places uh, around the world uh, while I fished and hunted. And at the end of the day, you know, I kind of love being in Canada. I love being Canadian. I love the opportunities we have here for outdoor adventure. And it's easy to get caught up in the mystique and the allure and exoticness of, of going to far-flung places. But, you know, at the end of the day, the opportunities here are, are so special that I, I just kind of, it was a way to express what I felt that at the end of the day, there's just no place like Canada if you're an outdoorsman. Um, secondly, it was a bit of a, an homage to my mother, quite frankly, because Growing up, uh, her favorite movie always was Wizard of Oz, you know, <laughs> a place like home. And it was just between her and I, it was just my little homage to her to say thanks for all she had done for me over the years. So it seemed a fitting title on both fronts. Well, that's great. Now we, uh, we go back a ways. Um, I can't actually first remember where we met, but uh, I, I know we did spend some time together at the Outdoor Writers of Canada conventions back in the day. Now you, you first formed a magazine and started outdoor writing in 1988. It was the Outdoor Edge. And I remember you asking me at the outdoor convention if I would write for your magazine. And that was one of the first publications that uh, I became involved in. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you, you did get involved in the outdoor writing industry. Well, um, I was working as a, my background is wildlife biology and habitat conservation, as you know. I was working for Ducks Unlimited uh, in Alberta and a bunch of volunteers put on a, what we used to call Green Wing Days, which are sort of youth outdoor education days sponsored by Ducks Unlimited. And as the local DU employee, uh, I attended one of these volunteer events and, and met a, a Ducks Unlimited volunteer by the name of Kevin Rolfe, who was helping teach these kids how to shoot and identify ducks and things. And he at that time had a had an annual uh, publication uh, called I think it was called the Alberta Hunting Guide, if you will. And 
through our discussions and sort of shared interests, he ended up asking me if I would write a story about duck hunting for his next annual. So I always thought I'd like to try my hand at outdoor writing. I was an avid reader of all these types of magazines. And uh, so I agreed to do it. And, uh, you know, the next year he asked for a couple more. And then he was looking for somebody who could uh, edit some of the writing that came in. And it kind of built from there. And then he and I actually started the Outdoor Edge magazine together. I think it was, I don't know, 89 maybe the year we started that or 90. And we, we started with one individual as our regular fishing columnist and didn't work out very well. And I knew you more from your work in Manitoba. I'm an old Winnipeg boy, as you know, and uh, you're writing in the free press. And my recollection, Don, was I picked up the phone and kind of called you out of the blue and asked you if you would uh, consider writing the, uh, uh, the fishing column for us. Yeah, and it turned out really well. I really enjoyed it. I remember meeting Kevin at the Outdoor Writers Convention when he had it in Edmonton, and um, it, it, that was a that was a great convention. And I also remember Ken that I was the worst skeet shooter at the event. <laughs> <laughs> me and Swen, I think, were the worst. I think we tied. No, I think he beat me in the end. But uh, so I, I never was much of a shot, but I certainly enjoyed hunting, and uh, we spent some time fishing to do as well together. I remember you introduced me to the fly fishing for lake trout, and you organized a trip up to Great Slave Lake. Talk a little bit about that and how you got involved there. Sure, actually, uh, Frontier Fishing Lodge, which for old timers like us was the new name in those days for what was long established as Bricker's Fishing Lodge mm -hmm. uh, out of Snowdrift on the uh, uh, southeast part of Great Slave Lake. Um, the year previous to you and I going up, I had been invited by the, the fellows. The, it was a family of three brothers who owned the lodge, who bought it from Jerry Bricker, and they were trying to expand their, their marketing. Um, and they wanted to uh, see if they could penetrate the fly fishing market a little bit. So actually invited me to go up uh, to fly fish for grayling and, you know, write some stories about it in a few places. And hopefully that would help them promote, you know, their lodge is a great place, uh, a great destination for fly fishermen. And I went up with an old buddy who you know as well, Perry McCormick. I brought him along. And uh, we brought, you know, kind of heavier tackle as well. And the very first day we were there, we started trying to catch these lake trout. It was uh, late August. They were starting to congregate at the mouth of a river. And the best of my recollection, that first afternoon, the next morning, we caught something. It was over 100 lake trout landed. Wow. And um, the lodge owners, the Witherspoon uh, brothers, had, had never sort of seen this before, had never heard of it before, didn't know you could catch a lake trout on a fly. And both Perry and I started writing articles about it and promoting it and their business was picking up. And uh, in discussions with you, we talked about uh, bringing your complete angler television show up to the lodge. And uh, I think you invited Brian Chan along as, as a guest. And so the three of us went up there and 
You know, it wasn't a one of uh, when Perry and I were there. We found when you and I and Brian were there, it was just as, you know, the fishing was just as good. We caught more lake trout than we knew what to do with. And we, we brought up one of the premier fly fishermen in this country in, in Brian Chan. And as, as you may recall, he smashed his fly rod to bits on the very first lake trout. He <laughs> I'll never forget that image. <laughs> Yeah. Not in Kansas anymore, there, Brian. Yeah, these are big, tough fish. Yeah, no kidding. That was a spectacular trip, and I certainly appreciate you uh, organizing that for me. It was certainly one of the highlights of my uh, complete angler television series. It was, it was absolutely great. And you know what? Since that time, uh, fly fishing for a wide variety of species uh, has expanded and become so popular. Yeah, well, you know, as as you and I discovered over the years, there's there's no fish that can't be caught on fly tackle. Um, maybe it's not the traditional way people do it, but from you know catfish to bass to walleye to pike, to, uh, it's not just a game for trout fishermen. And um, if the fly fishing tackle and technology has evolved enough that. Uh, you know, you can get a fly in front of any fish. And, and quite frankly, I believe that uh, a fly always seems more lifelike than does any kind of hard lure. And as long as you can get it in front of a fish, they'll, they'll eat it. Well, the one trip we did not use fly fishing equipment on was even more spectacular in my mind. And that's when we went helicopter steelhead fishing in British Columbia. That was great fun, wasn't it? Out of Terrace, BC there. Wow. And uh, we got into some water that, you know, we we're very lucky to get into some water that people just don't get to and um, catch some wonderful steelhead. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, that, that was a spectacular uh, experience and a great show. My question to you though, Ken, is, uh, you know, when you get experiences like this and, and, and just your regular experience, why wouldn't you write about it? I, you know, we, we're both editors, uh, uh, have been, and still are editors. You're still a hunting columnist with Outdoor Canada. You're also the editor, was it the Alberta Fishing Guide or Hunting Guide? Yeah, the Alberta Fishing Guide, Barry Mitchell's Alberta yeah. Fishing Guide, yeah. Yeah, so I'm the editor of Hooked. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for new writers to contribute to the publication. Yeah, we're the same way out here, Don. And it's it's sort of a shame that we don't see more young uh, young folks, avid outdoors people, um, you know, pursuing that opportunity. And as an editor like yourself, you know, it's always nice to get a, get a kind of a new voice, a new angle. There's only four ways to catch a walleye and you can <laughs> repeat it over and over again, but, but, but somebody else can bring a, a bit of a new twist to that idea and, um, or, or just a new way of expressing traditional ideas that are both entertaining and informative for the reader. So, you know, like you, I'm, I'm constantly encouraging, and it doesn't have to be just young, but just people who, who, haven't, who haven't written before to consider giving it a try because the opportunities are there and the demand is there from the readers and from the advertisers. So, uh, you know, any, any, perspective writers who might be listening to this you know i would certainly encourage them to talk to you or talk to me or talk to their magazine of choice about considering um submitting to them 
Yeah, we don't have we we get submissions from people that maybe it's their first or second or third time, and we help them through it, and and you know it's and they learn from that. And uh, we had a a great story from this from this guy from Alberta. He went uh, hiking with his wife up into the mountains to get away from it all, and uh, he went up to this high mountain lake, and he ended up catching some small cutthroat. But it was the adventure, Ken. It was the story. That's what made made the story so special. It was just an experience, right? He's no, he wasn't any expert, you know. He tells how inept he was at fly fishing, but it it was a great story because it was it was put down in pen with pen and paper, uh, and it was really an interesting read. So yeah, don't be afraid to to get out there and submit. I remember it was my girlfriend at the time who was a writer for the Winnipeg Free Press who convinced me to submit an article. A sports article to the free press and i ended up becoming a, a freelance sports writer for the free press and i never thought i could write and all of a sudden i you know i got encouraged and it went from there how about you well you know don it's like any other skill i guess you know once you decide to take the plunge and try it um there's people around who will help you the editors and and, and others who will help you develop that skill and um you know, I think you brought up a really good point that what what appealed to you about the about the submission from the fella from Alberta who went fishing with his wife was uh, it was a good story. And it, it's discouraged me a little bit that we have seen the outdoor publishing industry in the last, you know, couple decades move away from publishing good stories, many of those magazines. It's all about how to and where to. Um, and quite frankly, for, for me at least, it's not as entertaining of a read as it is to read about a good adventure. And you know, that brings me back you know, to, to my book, was all about, and I think I said in the introduction, you're not gonna learn a whole lot reading my book about how to shoot a duck or how to catch a lake trout. Um, I, I, I really embrace and enjoy the, the sort of traditional style of storytelling. And I, I applaud you for including that sort of story in your magazine because not enough do anymore. And it, it really is a great way to entertain readers, I think. Well, and, and because of that, anybody has a story to tell. You don't have to be the expert fisherman for bass to tell a great story about bass fishing as an example and, and and i think that's something we should impress upon a lot of people who would like to try their hand at at, at writing is you don't have to be an expert um you, you just have to have an interesting story to tell exactly yeah i mean when you look at my book and i go back through it the things that i remember through all those years were the disasters more than the successes. You know, the time I nearly killed Al Linder by flipping the boat or the time we went steelhead fishing where I fell on the log and I nearly killed myself because I was on the crown jewels, right? Yeah. Did, this, did the splits. I mean, those are moments that are, are etched in your mind forever. Or the time I saw a humpback and a killer whale going at it on the West Coast. I mean, these things are fantastic experiences. And we have both been blessed to be able to see most of this country. Right, Ken? Oh, absolutely, Don. You know, um, we're, we're both been very lucky that way. And, and, and your point is really well taken. Um, 
when I look back over the many years and the many places and the many adventures, it's not very often that I can remember catching a specific fish or shooting a specific animal or anything like that. I remember the people that I, I shared it with, uh, first and foremost, some of the things that happened away from the, the actual fishing or hunting, the, the, the misadventures as you describe, uh, I think that's what, that's what sticks with us, with us most, you know. Uh, I, I can't remember 90% of the fish I've caught over the years, but I remember all the places that I went fishing, you know, and all the people that I went fishing with. And, you know, when I think back on that trip up to uh, Frontier Lodge, what, what sticks with me most was a, a moment I shared by myself going out early one morning down to the river, the Stark River that flew by the, that flowed nearby the lodge and getting up bright and early, walking down there with my fly rod and hooking a grayling and this white wolf came out of the bush and was trying to get this grayling on the end of my line that was struggling and wow. came into the water and, you know, eventually ended up trotting away. But it's it's one of those one of those things that will stick with me forever. Just an amazing outdoor experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so true. I was uh, I, I did an interview with a guy here from Manitoba um recently and we're talking about turkey hunting wild turkeys right and unfortunately you're unable to go to your ontario turkey hunt but i've only been turkey hunting once but it's he talked about the experience he mentors young young people like he had a 10 year old and a 12 year old boy out on a mentored hunt and they spend the day in the bush and not necessarily do they get a turkey both were lucky enough to eventually get one but they saw all kinds of wildlife, deer, coyotes, foxes, you know, upland game, whatever, you know, and, and never mind. There's no phone. There's no cell service. They're out there on their own. Explain that experience, Ken, when you're out sitting in a blind in a marsh and, and what you're thinking about in the outdoor experience. You know, <clears throat> it's one of the few times I think in the world where you're actually away from everything right um so it's a, it's a great time for reflection and appreciation of coming back to to where we're fortunate enough to live or where we're fortunate enough to have traveled to um it, it's a hard thing to describe quite frankly don uh to be able to to sit there for by yourself or or or, or with a close friend you know for hours on end saying little just soaking in where you are and what you're seeing, seeing the natural world unfold before you the way it, it's supposed to operate. Uh, you know, there, there's some things that I just don't have the ability to describe in words, you yes, know, and, 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 and that's, that's one of them. It has to be experienced to be appreciated, I think. Well, that's one crazy thing that the pandemic has done as it has slowed people down so they have to deal with themselves and many in this world are rediscovering the outdoors it's incredible the the surge in outdoor activity yeah you know you talk to some of the uh, tackle retailers or in you know with on the hunting side some of the manufacturers they can't keep up with the, the the demand you know the retailers are having some of their best years ever and manufacturers are 
are cranking a product out 24 seven. I, I think, you know, if we're looking for little silver linings in this cloud, I think that's one of them is that we're seeing more and more people coming to appreciate um, the outdoor experience and, and, and what it can do what it can do for them you know it can bring peace of mind at a time where it's very difficult to uh, to get peace of mind so i think that's been one of the real positive spin-offs question for you ken are you uh, thinking of writing another book i don't know don as you know it's a lot of work <laughs> for a little reward <laughs> yeah and without a lot in the can right now uh yeah. I don't know. Never say never, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm still, as long as I'm able, I'm going to continue to get out and enjoy uh, enjoy experiences outdoors and capture those experiences as best as I'm able uh, through my writing. And you know, maybe at some point down the road, th th there will be a sequel. If nothing else, it will tell me that uh, you know I haven't lost my appreciation for or desire to be outdoors and to and to to sort of experience new things. So uh, let, let's hope I do live long enough to get that done. Well, let's uh, let's tell the listeners again where they can uh, where they can find your book, Ken, before we let you go. Sure, uh, look for it at, at any number of uh, outdoor book retailers, uh, or please, uh, if you can't find it and are interested, uh, you can order it from my website at www nplh.webnode.com. Well, Ken, it's uh, been great catching up with you. And uh, thank you so much for all those words encouraging people to uh, put their adventures down on, on, on paper. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, Don. Always fun to catch up with you. Thanks, Ken. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Visit hookedmagazine.com to subscribe to The Complete Angler and never miss an episode.